1: or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Need a soft reboot.
2: <laughs> it ain't coming. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a virtual room filled with Heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, bullies? Mm, maybe a soft reboot would just be like,
3: you know, we start dressing up more. Um, we start disliking each other instead of like, oh, they're a bunch of friends. No, now they're enemies. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be Well, it's, like a, it's rid
4: like of us. It's kind of like a marriage at the end. You say, would you do this all over again? I, I guess the question is, would you <laughs> sign up with the same, you know, three other people and uh, producer... Equation all over again, or would you would you scramble it and and bring in a whole mm. new uh, bunch of people? I Wait, would do it all producer? over again. Which producer? I, that's important. I right. would keep our current producer. I, right. I would. That's, that's that would right. Be I, I right. bet got- could oh. write
1: a rap for Mark Sessler.
4: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I She's still got it d- during a
3: pandemic. I'm re-run, I'm running this back. Who knows? That other combo, we, we might
2: be out. <laughs> 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 We're just. You know, four guys at a bar chopping it up. <laughs> but what if we became four dudes at a bar slugging it out? Right. That's what I mean, is
3: like less like the personnel reboot but more just a plot twist. A plot mm. twist
2: after seven seven seasons. Well that's what they do in professional wrestling. It's like every once in a while there's a staleness that sets in with a, a fan favorite and usually what they'll do in that realm is okay, like turn him into a bad guy. See how that plays. So maybe we just, maybe not 2020. I think we could squeeze one more drop of a baby face version of the Around the NFL podcast. But maybe like a full on heel turn 2021.
4: Against each other. Not not outward. Right. I've been just, trying that the whole you know. time. So
3: actually, I turn into the nice guy and you guys are all jerks.
2: I like it. That. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, yes. No Chris Wessling today. Wes uh, is going to join us whenever he can. He's not making it this week, but this show, but maybe uh, coming up again soon. But it's still I got that kind of afterglow from Wes being back in the mix on Monday. So that was that was awesome. And we hope to have him back again soon enough. Um, busy show. Very busy show today. Um We have what do we have to get through here. Oh, Hard Knocks is back. The premiere was Tuesday night. I wrote the recap that's up on NFL.com right now, and we're going to talk about the premiere episode uh, featuring the Rams and Chargers. Also, bringing back something from last summer that I thought was kind of a fun conversation, come down players of the year. We all know that come back players of the year are the feel-good story, and we talk about How Alex Smith is going to have that thing on Hyperlock if he manages to uh, (laughs) hang around with the Redskins this year. But who are some of the players that coming off a great 2019, it doesn't mean they're going to torpedo and find themselves out of football by next season when we're the Heel podcast. It means maybe just aren't going to be quite at the level of production uh, that we saw a season ago. Come down players of the year.
3: Just Turn a phrase there, Greg. Very catchy. I like it. I mean, the world doesn't have enough negativity in it right now. We need to just add add on some more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. I'm joking. I, I like the concept. A, yeah. I mean it's just a sober,
3: I, it's not realistic negativity. Huh. I'm totally joking. Yeah. I like the idea. We need to start getting ready for this season. It's four weeks away. It's insane. It's time yeah, to do it. Players have helmets on now. They, they're practicing a little bit today. People are like decoding really fuzzy images of Bill Belichick walking around on on uh, Patriots.com and then tweeting that out as if that's uh, great content here. But that's where we're at right now with training camp.
2: All right, that is where we're at. Very excited to get into today's show, so let's kick it off as we always do with a little bit of news.
1: Hey, and also, don't be the guy that takes the <laughs> in the porta potties. All right, I, I I went in there, I about threw up. All right, have a little bit more uh, social awareness. That's to take a. Don't take a in the porta potties.
2: I don't even want to give that context. I I'm just gonna. Imagine there's a portion of our audience that did not see the premiere of Hard Knocks. And uh, so you have no idea what that's all about. And it's just, yeah, the voice of Sean McVeigh, the coach of the Rams, just hissing about the use of uh, the old port john outside.
4: Well, and it's basic good life advice. I mean, whether or not you <laughs> saw the episode, it kind of just works, right? Anywhere.
2: Well, all right. Without getting and unless, you know, unless you into have, it.
4: In, unless you are Spoiling spoiler I likes to go number two into in a... <laughs> Hideously stinky porta potty with no I was actual say, who, sewage attached to it. Who does that act? Someone in an emergency situation, like a child right. in an emergency scenario, a, By a choice. woman, a man.
2: Yeah, yeah. You don't do that unless you have to. And Aaron Donald cracked that case, and we're going to get to Hard Knocks a little bit later. The NFL f- films personnel, and there's 30 of them. They don't have access to the building, so let's cut them a little break. Let's not embarrass them. It's a human act. Greg, it's a human act. Dan clearly, you know, just used the porta
3: potty and is feeling uh, <laughs> feeling like he needs. To I seek them this out. <laughs>
2: I seek, seek them out. out. <laughs> All right, let's start the news with uh, the Buffalo Bills, who are really on the right path, it seems, right now. A Very steady uh, franchise with a, a great roster and good leadership at the top and on the sidelines, and Sean McDermott. And they know it because we uh, just learned today that he was given a five, uh, he was given a four-year extension that will take him through twenty twenty-five. It's a six-year deal, and obviously, it's one that he's Ooh. earned very well. Yes, the the Bills, from a pure record standpoint, twenty-five and twenty-three across these uh, three seasons, uh, they haven't won a playoff game under McDermott. But that doesn't tell the whole story, not at all, Mark.
4: Well, I mean, he's he's brought them to the playoffs twice. And I think, it's especially the first time with a team that a lesser coach would not have been able to uh, reach the postseason. I, we're fans of Sean McDermott, I think, as a group. Um, he's been on our show. Uh, we found him to be, I think, su- surprisingly um, engaging where d- there wasn't a huge impression that I had of McDermott before. It's interesting because he came up for so many interviews um, before he got that Bills job. And there's got to be a couple teams who have been mm. now on their second plus coach at this point, thinking we could have had Sean McDermott. Your Browns
3: were one of them, right? Well, sure. They, I mean, there's there, been, there's
4: yeah. that whole mill of teams that sort of went through the, the same guys. Sean McDermott is perfect for Buffalo. I think he is a top 10 coach. I really do. I think he does certain things really special. His special quality is coaching up the secondary defensive backs. That's translated to Buffalo. They were the only team in the league last year that didn't allow a deep passing touchdown. That's not a coincidence. That's the fingerprints of Sean McDermott. I love his match with Brandon Bean. They had a lot of coach-GM infighting for years in there, and we knew some things that you know, maybe wouldn't have been reported that we heard that was sort of on the border of being shocking of how dysfunctional the team was. And they have removed that dysfunction, and success comes. And so I, I really think that this was a no-brainer move for a team heading in the right direction. He's one of the most powerful
3: coaches in the NFL. Because I because I, I kind of think like Pete Carroll in, in Seattle and Belichick and Reed, He, his say, I think, matters most in personnel. Bean's executing it. Look, there's a lot of work that goes into being a GM. But it's McDermott's team. It's cool to see. I mean, 2025. You know, I like the idea of some coaches that have some leeway. Look, if Josh Allen has a stink bomb season or whatever, and they have to find another quarterback at some point, it's like I like the idea – that they're committed to this coach because they should be. They've been a top five defense two years in a row, according to Football Outsiders. That's tough to do. They're actually projected to be the number one defense in the NFL, I think, uh, by Football Outsiders. He's made good hires, which is really important, including Bean, frankly, because you know he was involved in that hire. Uh, he was involved in the hire of Brian Dable, not a guy a lot of people wanted, who I think's done a, a really good job. The, the offensive line, which was a problem, it wasn't just defense. It is stable now. Um, so I love it, and I think... The, the more teams that have a little stability, the more they can have an identity. We're at a point right now, Bill O'Brien's one of the, the longest tenured coaches in the league. He's like in the top five or six, I think six or seven. I mean, that's, that's how much we churn through these coaches. And I really do think McDermott normally will be there at the end of this contract, or it has a good chance. Normally I'd be skeptical, uh, but this is a guy I, I can
2: really see lasting that long. In other news, the New England Patriots have added a player to their backfield on offense. Lamar Miller, familiar name, uh, has signed a one-year deal with the team. Miller blew out his ACL and MCL uh, a year a year ago, last Your August. Your boy! My boy. I've always liked Lamar Miller, but I liked him more when he wasn't almost 30 with a blown-out knee. <laughs> uh, I don't know what he's at. At this stage of the game, uh, but, you know, it's a good little insurance signing for the Patriots who lost Brandon Bolden to the COVID-19 opt-out and Sonny Michelle, who had foot surgery in May. It's unclear. He's on the pup list right now uh, it, what his availability is. And he could end up a, a pup a list guy come week one, which would take him out of action for six weeks, which makes Lamar Miller a nice guy to have in your building if he could still play the guitar.
3: <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you famously picked him a few different times for making the leap. One of the, I think, the Six only seven times, two or three times, making the leap, guy. Um, I think Michelle Sony Michelle, which, who we haven't talked about on this podcast, is in is in some trouble. It sounds like he might not be ready for the start of the season. There's a lot of buzz in New England about Damian Harris, a second year third round pick who people liked in the offseason last year. Then he got hurt right before the season as kind of the the latest. Patriots running back who gets taken last in fantasy leagues but winds up kind of being the closest thing they have to the guy. But who knows, maybe it'll be Lamar Miller. Like, that—that crazier things have happened uh, than that too in New England.
4: Well, I mean, Damien Harris last year, whispers were generating that maybe Sonny Michel wouldn't be the lead back because of Harris and, you know, that didn't come to fruition. I I just would say if you're a running back looking to revive your career, you're not going to go there and be a lead back necessarily. They don't really seem to operate that way of late, but, what a great place to go as a running back. Bill Belichick uh, could—we've said it before—could turn one of us into a 600-yard mm. rusher in that in that offense. Um, maybe no more than that for the three of us. Gonna be a
3: running team. Cam Newton. They are, I think they definitely will. Be. Line, I think they're gonna be a big-time running team. Whether that works yeah. or not, we'll see.
2: <laughs> or Jared Stidham. You know,
3: that's true supposedly uh, someone noticed that again, they're like looking at these grainy videos on Patriots.com that Cam Newton was like fourth in the rotation behind some un behind uh, their undrafted rookie. That's in. So, you know, Hey, he's, he's got to move up the depth chart.
2: Sessler. Speaking of Damian Harris, I'm going to share a little later in the show, what our come down players of the year predictions were from last summer, mm-hmm. but you were, uh, you were, you had your eyes on Sony Michelle a year ago as a guy that could be on the fade with Damian Harris on the rise. You might have missed that by one.
0: Well,
3: turn
4: that's that's long. a move of mine, yeah. like to to usher a prediction that's utterly wrong. But then the year later, it becomes uh, was it true. though?
3: Was it wrong? I mean, Sony Michelle. Well, I, mean, I guess the, the numbers to clear, were about,
4: Damian Harris as the reason. Well, that's true. Been, the the, the,
3: the numbers the were about the same, but. No one was, but that's based on no those one's going to be like, hey, you know, when when I grow up, I'm not I'm not going to be like, hey, you really missed out on that 2019 Sony Michelle season.
2: Not a lot of excitement. Well, I,
4: I think to Dan's <laughs> point, that the, the prediction was not a home run, um, but now it's um, looking like a, closer to a home run.
2: And uh, up next to the news, and I'm really bummed that Wes isn't here because I think he really would have appreciated this, perhaps been perplexed by it, maybe been angry about it. But yes, we know all about what are some of our our Annual team fan clubs. Of course, last year we had the fish tank.
4: Got the, the Ravens' nest. The Ravens' we nest. To. We could go there less, in my opinion, if we needed to. The, and, th- the Titans? The Titan? Did the Titans ever have? No, we didn't. No. That was only no. two. There were, I believe this two.
2: year, and feel free to uh, chime in with your thoughts, but this year, let's unveil the Bengals' den. <laughs>
3: My son will like this. He spends literally hours a day pretending he's a tiger and just like biting people around the house. So this is <laughs> going to be a big fan.
2: I'd have that checked out, Greg, personally, but it uh, sounds engaging. Uh, yes, the Bengals' den where we study the Cincinnati football franchise, a team on the rise. So let's go through some news items here, starting with cornerback Trey Wayans, who could be out up to two months after suffering a pectoral Injury, this is so Bengals. I mean, it's it's tough to open up the Bengals den in this way because this team wouldn't spend money for years and years in free agency, and they get, hand out a three year, $42 million deal to Wayans to fix up their secondary, and then he immediately tears his pec. So we'll see how long he's going to be out, uh, but he will start the season on the sideline. There's one of the positives. Ooh.
3: Steps, those tigers will bite. Oh, tack. Uh, it was one of the positives, <laughs> you know, I guess, of this totally newsless first two weeks of training camp, that there were no injuries because, you know, there's only like one way to get injured while lifting weights, and that is tearing your pectoral
2: muscle. Well, and, he, and, he, see, and that and comes from Greg. Greg is plugged in on these matters in the gym. I
3: mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of joking, but yep. it seems like that's the like only way that people people hurt themselves. <laughs> but it was a
4: year ago. No, hear, yeah, they, yeah, you hear that. They lost A.J. Green in the first, I think, day of training camp a year ago, and that changed their entire season. And Waynes was pretty – is an interesting case because he was quite annoyed at the Bengals. I I thought that they really waited for him to be there in person to sign his contract. And while 90-plus percent of the league had their contract – you know, free agent contracts uh, tucked away, he – not the case for him and he called it publicly a giant headache and he basically said this shit's terrible at one point in an interview and like for all the Bengals, progressive free active free agency, this was sort of an, a case that made them look like the old Bengals a little bit. And then mm. he hits the scene to fix one of the worst secondaries in the league from a year yeah. ago. And uh he's gone in you know, early on. That's that's not uh, a positive on anyone. They level. did
3: have this dude, Darius Phillips, who months in the last out. couple uh weeks of the season. I think he played both of your teams. He had three interceptions in about two games. He played unbelievable in one of those games. I forget if it was against the Jets or Browns, but uh He's going to step in, but it's, it's, it's not what you want. It's
2: not what you want. It's not what you want. A little Joe Girardi in a big spot from Greg. <laughs> in other Bengals Den News, defensive tackle Mike Daniels signs a one-year deal with the Bengals, uh, 31 years old. He's had injury issues his last two years. But you got Geno Atkins on the inside. If Mike Daniels could get healthy and approach his former levels of play, you know, he got something cooking in there.
3: I like Sam Harvard. Atkins wasn't the same, but uh, your your boy from your Europe trip, Carlos Dunlap, was a beast. He's down always the stretch. good. He's always good, but he was. You would think he'd be getting a little older. Geno Atkins looks a little older. He was not Geno Atkins um, that we've come to appreciate uh, last year. But Carlos Dunlap was like on fire uh, at the end of the season. Not many people were were too interested in the 2019 Bengals.
2: And finally, John Ross has left Bengals camp to take care of his son. Uh, the kid, uh, unfortunately, tested positive for COVID-19. The child's mother also tested positive. So Ross steps away from the team uh, to be there for the family. Tough situation, uh, but hopefully he's back ahead of week mm. one. Uh, so that is what's cooking in the Bengals' den. Good, good premiere, guys. Good premiere episode.
4: Good up. Ep. Not a lot of good news in the den.
2: There rarely is. Let's face it. I mean, That's we could be right. entering a den of sorrow, but with, we're we're diving in, and we're gonna we're just gonna hope for the best. Okay. Right. You uh, never see like news, news. You
3: never see news of, uh, like you know. <laughs> another calm day in the Bengals den. You know,
2: <laughs> everything went great today with, with the Tigers at the zoo. More carnage to come in the Bengals den, I'm sure. All right. In other news, Monday night football news. Oh, you know we love talking Monday Night Football. And not even the games. The game within the game. The game up in the booth. Dun-dun-dun-dun. La-la-la-la-la-la-la. Dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dum-dum. De, dum. Yeah, 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 <laughs> See, people only know the instrumental version. They don't know the one the Fox. <laughs> I love, you know, Andrew Marchand. He's one of our, Marchand, he's one of our favorite uh, media guys out there covering all the happenings uh, in this league of ours, our league. And he had a nice little nugget in his mailbag. I mean, people are really stepping up with these mailbags. One thing I had not anticipated (laughs) in the mailbag game was people starting to bury, you know, little nugs of like uh, uh, scoops. Well, mailbags
4: yeah because the I think we've shifted away from hey I'm just offering my opinion in a mailbag to now you've got to be breaking news so now Dan you've got a lot of sources and you've got media a sources ton. in-house media sources a so bunch. you just got to start to lean on that angle because I think that's the hook versus hey look at me here's my opinion on someone's backfield you've got to be dropping some information that no one else has and I know you can
2: inside, 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 inside. Dan, 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 Dan in the
1: morning
2: I thank you Mark I appreciate uh, your belief in me and yeah I think it's kind of a if you want to call it a wake-up call or just a challenge I think it's the natural evolution of things that the mailbag yeah used to be a place where you could have some fun and joke around with the <laughs> listeners or the readers and uh, crack crack wise a little bit and throw some football analysis in there but now there's scoopage. There's scoopage, and wait, I can't wait, What is the scoopage again here? There's scoopage, bro. <laughs> it's, juicy. Martian, it's juicy. He's out there in, in the middle of a question. Someone asks about what's up with this new Monday Night Football booth. And Marshawn says that ESPN talked to Rams coach Sean McVeigh about being a Monday Night Football analyst. Sean McVeigh, the 34 year old. Rams coach who seems to be right in the middle of a career that's going to last, you know, another 20 to 37 years. But no, ESPN kicking all tires, every tire in the world except for ours, apparently, says, hey, Sean, do you want to come off the sidelines and be our Monday Night Football guy? It doesn't look like that's going to happen. But according to Marshawn, he was approached. Hmm. They just like looked for the moment, guy who was like the most like John Gruden and was like, exactly. well, exactly for him. <laughs> In fact, Colleen, and we're going to get to our Hot Knocks recap in a second, but Colleen texted last night that her belief that John Gruden or McVeigh might be turning into John Gruden. Their personalities are starting to merge, (laughs) and ESPN executives think that McVeigh could be a standout in the booth, somewhat like John Gruden, according to Marchand. Uh, So...
4: My one I mean, thing for the
2: record, it's under contract, and this seems like it was never something serious. But ESPN kicked the tire.
4: It sounds like he listened, though, which I think is like that. That's intriguing. I mean, for me, if you're, you know, they've they've got Levy and and, and Riddick and, and Greasy in there for this season, you can't help. I would just be thinking, it's clear they had fifteen to twenty people they really wanted more. Like I remember being like a sophomore in high school and getting asked to like a homecoming at the 11th hour by someone that I knew <laughs> through my back channel information had asked uh, multiple other people to go to the dance and they said no. And I said yes because I needed plans. But the entire time I'm thinking, this person doesn't really, did not really <laughs> choose me for this Sorry. event first. And it's a hideous way to go through an experience. So I, it's, it's kind of tough sledding for the current, MNF group to have to go in there and try to prove mm. even their own company wrong, I think, about what they want to do in the future.
2: Chip on the shoulder. And a little word of advice, because I see what ESPN's doing here. Seahawks general manager, John Schneider. If ESPN calls you about Jamal Adams, do not even pick up the phone, because if that gets back to Jamal Adams, he will never forgive you. You can't even mm. pick up the phone if there's a call. Don't pick up the phone. Look at the call waiting. It says ESPN. Just in the case that Jamal Adams' name comes up, don't pick up the phone. Because you would not want to anger him. Because he would as get a, upset about as
4: that. As a Monday Night Football contributor, you're saying that they may right. chase yes. after. Okay. I, I mean, think it, that's good advice for John Schneider.
3: I, I, I didn't see how
2: you can make this about the Jets, but you did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, one more bit of... Media news. Happy trails to Deion Sanders, who leaves our company uh, after many a year to join Barstool. This is all over the sports media beat uh, today, and um, I just got to say, guys. And I'm curious if you're in the same boat. I am a little bit sad. I I'm hitting the 10 year mark of my time at NFL media next week, and I worked with Deion Sanders the entire time. He was a colleague. And yet, we never spoke. <laughs> and I'm not even sure I ever saw
0: him.
4: Deion Sanders, best of luck. Well, yeah, I, I think it would be news to him that. Did you guys he ever was, talked to Primetime? No. Nah. Well, no. And I, in fact, on our network show, do you remember that I pitched him as the ideal candidate for a last dance uh, scenario if we were to do that about an NFL figure? I thought I would, and I tweeted about it and with some video. I thought for sure that would stage um, the beginnings of a friendship. And uh, total dead air, no no response <laughs> at all. The closest and, and I, we got,
3: sorry, the closest we got, I think, was when we um, left a mess of like used peanuts in the special Dion Sanders studio. Like, look, you know, it's a big <laughs> it's a big place NFL Network, but it's pretty impressive that Dion had his own studio essentially for his own show. But we broke in there one time. Um, we cleaned the mess, I believe, but we were also told never to use it again. Right?
4: Well, well I, I, th- was, I think we called the cleaning crew to do it. I don't think we even had enough integrity to clean it on our own, to be honest. But
2: Well, we cleaned yeah.
4: up. We tried to clean no, we, up after we, we ourselves, cleaned. but it was we messy,
2: messed. as I are called And I don't even know if that was Dion's studio at that point. I think it was just his own private green room during <laughs> right. Sundays. Right, it was just his room. <laughs> yeah, it was just his room. They eventually repurposed it. Uh, but uh, the other thing is we were able to access Dion's private green room with our... Key cards, and then shortly thereafter, after that viral internet (laughs) stunt gone awry, uh, you no longer had key card access to the room. (laughs) So they went into the system and took care of the heroes in a big spot. So, anyway, bye, Dion. Good luck. That's what's happening in the news. Hard knocks time. 15th season of the acclaimed HBO docu premiered on Tuesday night, Hard Knocks Los Angeles. It is not a criminal procedural that your grandparents watch on Monday nights. <laughs> it's a study of the Rams and Chargers as they prepare for the strangest NFL season in our league's history. Um we talked about in Friday show. I had that conversation with Ken Rogers, the VP at NFL Films and the guy who's been running the show for years, that the premiere episode was going to be a lot different. You weren't going to see a lot of football, and that made sense. That wasn't some narrative choice uh on Tuesday night's episode. There was no football really to cover for the most part because um the first week of August for the Rams and Chargers and every other team was getting back on the uh just getting back to the building and doing uh, obviously, the testing uh, for COVID 19 to make sure everything was clean and figuring out the logistics. You know, you, know you, want, you you think about what a head coach is asked to do for a team. I thought it was interesting. You're actually watching both Anthony Lynn of the Chargers, but a, a scene with Sean McVeigh where he is hands on and trying to figure out how to build out this big. Uh, overhang canopy tent where he's going to hold meetings and various walkthrough practices with the offense and the defense. How much thought and work and cleaning and disinfecting is going on in a, uh, a constant cycle to just try to keep your team from the absolute tragedy that would be a outbreak that would ruin their season and potentially blow up the NFL. So for me, Greg, in the first episode, that was what was interesting to see, how are teams trying to keep the players and the coaches healthy, and then how do you balance that with actually trying to start preparing for a season, with which is five weeks away when they tape this?
3: Right. You didn't have a lot of the same beats. It, it's not going to be as high-octane, especially the first week or two in terms of the football. You're also not going to have as much time inside the players' houses for obvious reason and in going home and sort of having that features. And so on some level – it was like more informational and like less just total entertaining. But I still, I found it fascinating because I I'm just, I'm interested in this world. I love football and like, this is, this is what football is right now. Now I don't love this part of football, but I am sort of fascinated to see how the NFL is dealing with this as we, as we all are in different ways. Now we're not, we're not going to work in the same way, um, but in, in many ways, it makes the players and the coaches relatable in, in, in a different way because they're going through some of the, the same things. And, and you get to see kind of what people are made of behind the scenes, too. I mean, just what they're like. And, and as much as we've always heard about Anthony Lynn as like a guy that just everyone will run through a wall for, like, you kind of get it now. Like watching him and McVeigh, for that matter, to handle this situation. As grown-ups, as leaders, and how they are gonna navigate, you know, trying to lead 80, 90 people and, and even more, you know, when, when it comes to their staff.
4: Yeah, I think that I agree with you, Greg. And I, I watched it twice, and I really, to be honest, I just I didn't enjoy it the first time. Um, I didn't find it to be um, unlike other a lot of hard knocks vehicles, I just found it inessential. Uh, that's me. The second time I watched it, I I had a bit of a different take. Um, and the positives for me, I it, it centers almost entirely around Anthony Lynn, who mm. I'd been curious about. Um, I think he, along with Sean McVay, and I, I love your note, Dan, about Sean McVay organizing how that huge tent would be organized, because that's what you hear about Sean McVay is that he's in everything, and he has ideas about everything. He's ingenious, and it's going to be his program from top to bottom. With Anthony Lynn, too, I think it's just that these coaches today – Um, they're not going to work if they don't relate to players. And and the opening scene with Anthony Lynn jumping on a Zoom call a little bit late uh, where you had, um, I think it was Mike Pouncey about to tell a story that maybe could have been a little off color, who knows. Mm -hmm. But Anthony Lynn jumped (laughs) on and said, I'm here, I'm here. And you just saw them, their eyes changed, their energy changed, their head coach was there. And I just think that there's a chunk of head coaches around the league That um, when things go bad, especially, just don't have that grip over their players. Anthony Lynn is a man's man. I loved, um, I'm not a big barbecue guy, obviously, but I loved watching him (laughs) barbecue with like a wedding uh, china spoon that his wife was a little annoyed he was using, wrapped in a napkin to baste various meat products. I just came away thinking... Highly of both coaches. Um, some of the stuff in there, uh, it, it was 25 minutes in, and it was all Corona, for, it, it, which I, I, I get it. I totally get it. I just am excited to see where we go in the next couple weeks. I don't think Hard Knocks could be judged off of the first episode almost ever. Um, there, are, I do see Predictable Beats heading. I know we're going to get an Austin Eckler episode. You know we're going to get a huge thing on basically Aaron Donald and Goff and all of it. It's all coming, but they did – I think t- they had to tackle this a certain way, and they did it.
2: I'm I'm glad you had that second rewatch, Mark, because you were sending off some very angry texts last night about the premiere.
4: <laughs> can I can <laughs> like, I can really I tell you real quick what's up. going on? Like, um, I I find <laughs> one thing I'm not not going to do again is watch the show with Twitter open. It's 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 a hideous um, tugging down of the experience. It should just be watched on its own for yeah, me. Get off Twitter. Well, but it's but even yeah. like the pressure of having to... I don't know. The whole thing, I just want to enjoy it the way I would a normal television show. It's not a top 10 show in my world. Um, it is an NFL-based show. It's pretty good. You've always that.
3: got mixed feelings about... I
4: have Max. mixed feelings, but when it's good, it's really, really good. And with Anthony Lynn and it taught me about him, that's when it's really good.
2: Yeah, Lynn came off really well in this episode. Um, I look forward to learning more about him. Uh, just some quick notes uh, that I had in kind of my... Uh, recap I want to go through here. Aaron Donald with his shirt off. I want to talk shirtless dudes for a second here. We'll start with Aaron Donald. Um, your boy, Mark, Mar- Miles Garrett, to me, I thought always thought had the most impressive hard knocks body. But I don't know. I mean, Aaron Donald, six one two eighty five 285, and... Literally, muscles on muscles on muscles. He looks like somebody from, like, Conan the, Ar- the Barbarian, if you remember that old Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> and he's the greatest I, player I in the NFL,
3: arguably. And yeah, he's the best player that's in the, the NFL. Thing. And, it, like, the it's cornerback, like Dante Dion, could be squawking, and Aaron is just, like, ignoring him. He's, like, this huge thing that's just – in Dion's, like, this little fly, and He's just like, oh, get a, get away from me. I couldn't, I couldn't tell with
2: it. Dante Dion if he was, like, a lovable team jester – uh, or just that guy that you hate to be around because he won't he won't shut up and he, he won't felt start, he felt stop like that hard around. knocks
4: guy like I, it just seemed like the every hard knocks cast someone to play that role and but maybe I'm being too cynical I just it seemed like we're going to be dealing with Let this it, guy for five weeks now
2: hang so, in there Mark let's any, go, I want to talk more shirtless dudes even by have the way a
4: guy like that though I mean it's not like they have to cast it's him. real
2: yeah <laughs> right. uh, those people exist speaking of shirtless dudes. Um, can, does somebody want to tell me, first, Sean McVeigh, the pool scene where he says he's been teaching his dog new tricks, and all of a sudden his shirt is off, and McVay's like, hey, make sure you get me on camera in my pool. And then he's saying, check out the dog trick I, I, I have going on, and he's throwing a football at the dog with a basketball hoop next to him, and the, do- the ball's just clanging off the dog's face, and there's no alley-oop slam from the dog, there's no tip-in. There's nothing like that, and then it's you just start to wonder. was like, was this all just a ruse to get a McVeigh with his shirt off to show off the work he's putting in in the home gym? Mm, it crossed my mind, Greg. Cynical. Agree or disagree? I think I, it was a pleasant ruse. I
3: disagree with that, but I'm a little worried about this. You know, CTE with this dog here. It's kind of like Air Bud. You watching? You know, he took a lot of footballs <laughs> off the head. <laughs> I don't
1: know. That's
4: what I I mean. It doesn't seem like a trick. It
3: doesn't seem like the best thing for the dog.
4: I think if you're Sean McVay, he's obviously been putting in the work because we had a chance to meet him in person that that one summer, and he is jacked up from that time. He wasn't a dainty individual back then, but I think you've got to jump in the pool with no shirt to show it off. He lives about 10 minutes from us, uh, and he is living life in a different way than we are living (laughs) it. That is my takeaway on Sean McVay.
2: Ten minutes in distance, but in every other way, it is a much different life. Uh, Tyrod Tyrod Taylor's new look with the big hair and the beard, that's good. I like that a
4: lot. Yeah. I like him a
2: lot now. He just feels, I don't know, there's something about him that he's got a little bit more to him. I always liked him as a dude. He can be um, frustrating
3: as a conservative passer, but he always seemed like a... A cool guy. Well, we're going to, by the way, Melvin Ingram, He. I don't know if that's on your list, but he has to be the first player ever to be in the song credits at the end. That was his own song he's rapping. That was. That, that was? You know, I was we're,
2: trying to figure Melvin that out. Melvin Ingram is a wild man.
3: He is one of the most intense players I, I've ever, um, you know, like seen in an interview situation. I feel like he, if, if I was going to pick a, a guy who's going to be a rising star out of Hard Knocks, he would be it.
2: And uh, Marcus Grant of our great fantasy team here at NFL Media uh, likened Tyrod Taylor's new look to Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, in the "This Is America" video, which definitely did uh, yeah. <laughs> sync up with me as well. And uh, let's see, any other thought I have? That's about it. I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to episode two and and more football. But I did really like the the peak behind the curtain of how this actually works. And I, I was I'd be interested to think other teams, the other thirty teams, what their protocols are and if it's any different than the Rams and Chargers, did they learn anything from watching mm. this? Because you know every every team watches hard knocks. Every uh front office does. So that's interesting uh to me as well to think about. Football right. has to be and the only forget-
3: uh career where when they when you get fired and you walk into your bosses and you say like, you gotta be fucking kidding me and then the bosses are then talking about, like, I like this guy. Like, like, this hey, guy I like that cool. fire from
4: that guy. <laughs> Bring him back to the taxi squad.
2: Yeah, tight end Andrew Vallert didn't like being cut immediately. Uh, I thought that was kind of a pretty ballsy move. And, yes, he did. Anthony Lynn did say to the GM, Tom Telesco, that he did admire him showing emotion. But then he also threw in a zinger at the end. Hold up, man. You ain't Antonio Gates now. <laughs>
4: Does it bother reme- anyone? Yes. Well, sorry. Does it bother any? It honestly disturbed me to because I should know this, but that Justin Herbert it was born in 1998. Like it just, um, I to yeah, me it was a defining uh, low blow to the viewer if you're my age.
2: Yeah, that was rough. That he was gives, rough.
4: He no, gives no, me no JD McCoy
2: it, vibes from Friday Night Light a little bit, Justin Herbert.
4: Hmm. hmm.
2: And remember, Peter Schrager as the official Hard Knocks podcast. If you want a real deep dive on every episode, check that out. I believe you had Anthony Lynn on the debut episode. So make sure uh, you check that out wherever you get your podcast, the Hard Knocks podcast with Peter Schrager. All right, let's move on. Come down players of the year in 2020. And yeah, Greg, I see. You. I know you were joking, but yes, you could look at this as a negative segment or It could just be more a a segment rooted in keeping it real that you don't necessarily have to fall off a cliff and be terrible. You just might not be the same guy you were a year ago because sometimes it's hard to kind of stack up seasons like that over and over again. So they just come down. Maybe you guys have people that just fall off a cliff, (laughs) but mine are more come down, just down. Gradual decline. Gradual decline. There you go. It's good to bring that back up. It's already been used now. It finally came through for me. It took a long time, <laughs> but it did. Uh, so let's let's throw out some players who we see potentially in a gradual decline. But before we do that, I want to um, share with you what our predictions were last year. So that's fun. And it also, it's good to – that's accountability. You know what I mean? I like it. Please do. Here we go. All right. Let's start with the (laughs) Zeuser. I had Patrick Mahomes, and I said that it was – I kind of likened it to the 1984 Dan Marino situation where you are – sometimes you just have a season that's so beautiful and so perfect that you'll never match it again. And to me, I I was right. Mahomes wasn't the same player – uh, from a regular season standpoint, he got hurt. Of course, his numbers didn't sniff what he did in 2018 in the playoffs, though. He got hot and won a Super Bowl. So me, my prediction was that he just wouldn't be as statistically incredible as he was. So I'm taking the W there. No, so, I mean, if someone if
4: someone told you that he was going to operate, he won the on a, Super Bowl, like a dislocated decap for most of the season. We're not counting the playoffs. You know, what is
3: this like stats or something? Why would why wouldn't we count the playoffs? He was a top three quarterback. I don't think he even in the regular season. I'd say in any argument, he'd be a top three. Quarterback. Do you think he was just so as good as not he not was in
2: twenty eighteen? No, I do you mean, think he was wasn't. just
3: as good? He wasn't just as good. The offense, the, the Chiefs' offense, wasn't just as good. But aside from the injury, so maybe he
2: came, maybe he just came down a little bit, a little, maybe.
3: But I'm saying I mean, top three, and then he won the Super Bowl. I'm not giving it to you.
4: He's legit. Give you, I won't give an you a that other players would not play through. I'll give you a tie.
2: All right, all right. I'll take the tie.
4: Oh, how about a, I also a had a push? Come on, push, yeah. push. Uh, I also had
2: Drew Brees. I'll take the low on. I'll take the loss on that one. I don't think he really came down. I believe he's still Drew Brees. Uh, Claibon was on this episode a year ago. He had Aaron Donald, which I guess he came down, but not really. Still Aaron Donald. Mark Sessler, Eric Ebron. Well, nailed it. And you predicted Mo alley Cox turning into a major factor. Well, we, this don't need to mention,
4: b- we don't need to mention that part of it.
2: <laughs> this is also before Andrew Luck retired. It should be noted. Uh, I had Adrian Peterson. Greg, you had Dante Fowler and Jared Goff. One for two there. Fowler played well. Uh,
4: Got, was, that was a hit.
2: You know, that was a hit.
4: Yeah, that was a good one.
2: Uh, Matt Nagy. Nice job by Claibon.
4: That's That was well done.
2: Uh, Cecil, you chimed in with the the Bears... A turnover regression on defense, which I'm sure happened. Nice job by you.
3: That was right. Two Ws. Da- so. Mark really swinging for the fences here with turnover yeah, exactly. regression <laughs> and Ebron.
4: Well, you know what? It's like <laughs> let's actually give the listener something that's going to be correct, and that's what I did. I was correct twice. That you know what else can they can rely on me to get it correct and right? And matters. And
2: then finally, Sessler, Damian Harris is going to be a bigger role, chewing away at Sony Michelle's job. So that was last year. Now this year, get us going. Greg Rosenthal. All right. I'm going to start with
3: um, with Richard Sherman and the 49ers secondary mm. in general. Mm-hmm. But Sherman's mm. sort of the leader. I mean, look, he was a second-team All-Pro last year. He it, it was kind of amazing, and uh, I think he will be a Hall of Fame type guy, and I think – uh, a hall of famer. I do think this little set, this second act in San Francisco is going to help him get there. No one thought he would be that good. And yeah. I, I, think I think he is hall of famer. And I think that their secondary with him as the leader in general, really overperformed. Uh, and I look at it and I think if the 49ers are going to come back to earth a little bit, that's an area where they can be attacked. It's a tough division. Um, and uh I, I think asking him to be that good again, and asking that secondary, where I'm not really sure the talent is totally there to be that good again, uh, is a
2: natural come down.
4: I think he was PFF's number one cornerback. So if right. he were to finish number two, <laughs> you would be correct. Technically, I would give you the W on that. So. I mean, if he's
3: still an All Pro, I'm not taking it. But uh, yeah, I think uh, this 49ers team. You know, the the analytics, like Football Outsiders, for instance, they think they're there's a big reason to believe that they'll regress this year. Now on paper, it doesn't seem like that. There's a lot of 49ers fans that think uh, that they're going to be better, but it is true. When you improve that much in one year, usually you come back to the pack a little bit.
2: You come down. (laughs) Mark Zessler. How about a come down player of the year candidate?
4: Well, I don't like having to pitch this because I think his story is awesome, but um, Darren Waller from the Las Vegas Raiders, they, he had 90 catches, 1,000-plus yards, and three touchdowns last year. And I think the offense is just changing. They, they're just simply – they've added more weapons. You've got Rugs in there, your first-round pick. Uh, They added Brian Edwards, another rookie. Hunter Renfro would maybe have a larger role there. I think they're just going to diversify and spread the ball around a little bit more. And I could see him. I don't just mean like, you know, eight less catches. I I just think he had a bit of a breakout season that will be tough Mm. to duplicate for him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, not by necessarily a fault of his own, that the production comes down by a third, perhaps.
3: Not really a fan of human interest stories, are you, Mark?
4: Well, I opened by saying I wasn't (laughs) happy to pitch it. Uh, but nor am I a PR agency here, just like you know, throwing out feel-good I, stories for everyone. I don't see out it.
3: Out. I mean, he's a young player who looked uh, dynamic last year. He's still the best receiver on that team until uh, until I see someone else step up.
4: They just had no one else really step up last year. I just think that with Ruggs in there and others, that, that you would want that to happen if you were Gruden, wouldn't you? you? Would you want it to be based, the entire passing game, based around your running backs and your tight end? I don't I know. I'll go with – I don't know if I
2: want to make – how broad I want to make it. Let's start here. Ryan Tannehill. It was on my list. And I know I just got out of trouble with Titans Nation. I thought we had a clean break. So don't take this as an attack on your organization. You obviously made the right decision giving up on Marcus Mariota. I don't think you made the right decision turning around and giving Ryan Tannehill off 12 or 13 games a four year 118 million dollar deal um and when you look at the money it's almost 30 million per season 62 million in guarantees he's he's going to be on the books no matter what probably for years with this team and you know that's he's a top 10 guy now in terms of being paid as a quarterback and that will be all that'll be great if if he's still the guy he was in 2019. And I'm not even going to say, I'm not even point to Greg and feel free to tag team this one with me. I'm not even going to point to the playoffs and be like, look, he was already regressing in January because I understand the playoffs are a different beast. And, and Derek Henry was running like crazy over everybody. So they played a different type of um, game plan on some level. Uh, But I just don't think it was sustainable. He's 32 years old. And if you look at the history of our league, guys that don't break out within the first three years or so, if they do have a big season, they usually do come back to the to their old former self more times than not. Uh, maybe Tannehill's an outlier, but mm-hmm. last year he was fifth in passing DVOA, first in yards per attempt, um, playing in an Arthur Smith offense that was perfectly suited and everything kind of came together where Henry was a monster. The offensive line was great. Tannehill was playing with confidence. And I just don't know if we can expect that again. And the worst case scenario is that he really kind of becomes that Miami guy again. And then what does Tennessee do? They have a boondoggle on their hands Mm. at QB.
3: Good use of boondoggle. No, I totally agree with everything you said. And I think two things can be true that Dan, you'd be right about this. And that Tannehill will be fine. That he'll be like a top. I think that's what the Titans should hope for. He's there's no way he's gonna produce like that again. I mean, he was he was one of the three. I would put him in the top five quarterbacks in the NFL last year for for when he played. And I would include it the playoffs awesome. in that um, because he was efficient and he did his job what what they asked him to do in the playoffs. Um, but I agree. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Alex Smith who who had his struggles kind of had his breakout with Harbaugh, and then he settled into a nice, solid starter career. And I think that's hmm. what you want out Titans, but I do think that's a pretty big step, a big, pretty big come down of where he was a year ago. I'll just, uh, I wasn't going to do it, but hey, I'll throw go in Derrick Henry with this too. I, okay, I, that's what I was thinking, whether throw to throw in, Henry.
2: in Arthur Smith and Derrick Henry and just go with it. I think go it's ahead. a
3: lot to ask that that offense to repeat at that level Again, And even if you look at Henry, how kind of he was a lot um, slower in terms of his production in the first half of last season versus the second. Uh, I just think it's hard to build an offense where you're that efficient. I mean, their play action numbers were like among the best in NFL history. Uh, And uh, I think it's tough to win to win that way. And so I I expect them both to come down a little bit.
4: Yeah, I
2: mean, they were Kaharski. Titans Nation, don't come after us. It's just it's just football analysis. It's not personal.
4: I would imagine some of those guys would agree, though, right? I mean, they, they were at peak levels down the stretch. And if you think you're going to get the playoff version of the Titans out of the gate, I mean, offense just doesn't typically do that from year to year.
3: You're going to need to get better in other ways. Their defense, you know, primary uh, among them.
2: All right, Greg, let's do another round. Oh. I thought that was like I was oh, you just went it mark no. you're up All right. this is how it uh, went last it? year
4: um I, I you know who I'd pick i, I, I would look habits. at I look at Zadaius Smith and Preston Smith, who were awesome for the Packers last year and produced twenty five and a half sacks um mm. i I see that coming down, and I'll throw another guy in there, and this is not trying to be uh, on brand here. But the idea that Shaq Barrett's going to go out and have 19 and a half oh, I knew again. you were
1: going to do it. <laughs> I, well, knew no, it. We mean, I like, totally
4: knew it. I knew I, again, it, again, knew it. like, I, if my predictions are like a year uh, too early, I was telling you that all last year, and he proved me wrong. But I, I just think he's a, he's a good player. But I mean, it's going to be. All right, let's lock you in on gonna this. It's going to be nine and a half. Let's lock you in
2: on this, Mark. If you're going to come after Shaq Barrett for another season, and now we're going to have to track it for another season, let's put more numbers to this because. It would be a come down season if he doesn't have twenty sacks this year potentially. What do you think Shaq Barrett would year? I'm not doing this to say this he's gonna year? have
4: eighteen. Like that's not really why are we doing this All right, What do say you 18? what do you predict? What 12. how many sacks
2: is he gonna have this year? Twelve
4: sacks. 12 sacks. Yeah, that's that's a come down. Well, you can say that's not a come down, but that's like that's yeah. like 40% of his production from but, a year ago. Right. Don't you think and he the Bucs good- would
2: be happy with that even on, on the big tag. I, I, again, I'm oh, not gave saying him 12 that he It's a safe bet. I'm not
4: saying this is a wash that the player shouldn't have been re-signed it's a or this safe is a big pick. problem. It just 12 from 19 and a half is a, a Pretty clear regression, no?
3: It's kind of like Mahomes la- picking Mahomes last year. I think it's fair. It's it's a natural pick because he had like eighteen quarterback hits. He had over fifty hurries. He was probably the most consistent pass rusher in the entire NFL. So that is a come down. I would disagree on Zadarius Smith. Man, I love that guy. And um, Preston Smith's fine. You know, he's a solid. Well, I player. said the
4: combination of the two. Well, I just think you're not going to get that out of Preston both of them. Smith.
3: Didn't have. I think he he was about what you would expect last year. He wasn't sensational. Zadarius Smith, I think was. Just unreal. And you're right. Maybe he can't p- keep up that production. To me, Zedaria Smith, you know, I, I think uh, our-, our buddy Bob McGinn, who we had on the show thought he was, you know, arguably the best free agent, you know, one of the best free agent signings in NFL history. And I and I went, through, you know, for one year and you went through the list and I, I would say that's true. Shaq Barrett is too. I mean, the, the production Zedaria Smith had
2: was un- unreal. I'll stay away from an obvious candidate here because i did the same thing with patrick mahomes last year so i don't feel the need to go into why i don't think lamar jackson will do what he did last year because he probably won't because again it's the marino 84 corollary where sometimes you just have such a special magical season that you just never match it again on some level even if you stay a great player which is kind of what i expect uh with lamar jackson so i'll instead go with Michael Thomas of the Saints. I mm. will say that Michael Thomas, there's no reason why you would think he's going from a uh, from a physical standpoint, fall off and not be the same guy. He was a monster. But I think the Saints are are going to continue to transition on offense. And a year after they targeted uh, uh, Thomas, 33% of the time last year, when they drop back to pass, <laughs> one-third of the time – the throw was going to Michael Thomas, and it was okay because Michael Thomas, 185 targets, he caught almost 81 percent of the balls thrown his way. I mean, the guy was marvelous, and he had 149 records, and he, you know, he took fate and uh, into his own hands and and got risky by breaking that record that we're not going to talk about. But I just think, and I didn't, I'm not going to bring up Drew Brees either because I think his gradual decline has been overstated. Uh, in general. I think Breeze was still excellent last year for the most part at 40 years old, but with Taysom Hill in the mix there, I do, I agree that McVay, uh, that Peyton is going to continue to be cute and try to have the offense operating in that way um, with Breeze off the field occasionally. I also think that they're going to be a very run-heavy team, and Emmanuel Sanders, which I thought was the Maybe low key the best signing a team had in the off season. He's going to be so great for them. He's going to be a perfect fit, and I think he could even end up flirting with a thousand yards and like seven to ten touchdowns if he's healthy. And it, that will just take some targets away from Michael mm-hmm. Thomas. So I don't think he's going to have if you if 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 Sanders has that type of season. The Saints are in great shape. But fantasy owners of Michael Thomas might feel the sting a little bit. So this one's almost Mm. a little bit of a fantasy preview uh, come down.
3: Mm. You know, it all was laid out beautifully and and, um, with good context. But this is the type of haterade, you know, that Michael Thomas fuels himself on, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no one is more aware that's right. of, of anyone even way. with the slightest uh, slightest bit of doubt. He's he's. he's Can you listening. believe that though? Thirty
2: three percent of their passes.
4: That that's why I agree with you. I think that Do you Major want to know Sanders what the record is, is by huge the way. Factor there.
2: The record, Mark. I'll ask you this one. I'll give you a. I'll give you a hint. The record is two hundred and eight targets in one season, and it was set by an NFC West wide receiver in nineteen ninety seven.
4: Hmm. I was gonna go. And it Ray wasn't Anderson. Jerry Rice,
2: right?
3: I, I, um, I was gonna go Jerry Rice until till you made it too. I'll give you another
2: hint.
4: Seven. Okay. If you know another I like hint. to bring
2: it back. A former New York Jet.
4: Hmm. Isaac
2: Bruce. Rob Moore. How about Rob, Ooh, Rob Moore getting great targets player. in '97?
4: Great right. Tech Mobile player too, by the way, back in the day. Mm.
2: Um uh let's do a couple more. All right, I'll Greg. do it quick.
3: I know we got this uh, all hands meeting, you know, all NFL meeting on Zoom we got to get to. Uh you didn't go Lamar, but I am going to go Mark Ingram as as kind of a representative of the entire Reds, the Ravens rushing attack. Mark would have seen because okay. I just I think what they did was so historic. Um they ran the ball at a higher rate than any team, you know, since the Tim Tebow Broncos. They they, you know, they got more yards than any team uh, on the ground than any team in NFL history. They had the highest fourth down rate in NFL history. It's just like they're such a unique offense, and they add Gus Edwards there who can take away some of Ingram's shine. But I also think as as a group, oof, it, Lamar is like the most unique uh, weapon there is in the NFL, but I, I don't think the rushing attack can be as dynamic as a whole. How could it be? It just mm. is, It's asking too much. And I know they're going to, you know, develop things, but I think that'll be maybe leaning on the passing game a little more, changing things up a little bit, because there's only so many different kinds of runs Greg Robeman can come with. And I think defenses will be a little more ready than they were a year ago. Well,
4: and I, and I w- hope that Mark Ingram has 3000 yards, but I mean, I, I could see JK Dobbins starting by midseason, if not earlier too. I mean, they went out and invested a lot in that position. I'll give you a quick one at wide receiver. I, We all love DeAndre Hopkins, but I could see his production, 104 catches a year ago, 1,000-plus yards, seven touchdowns. I think he's a perfect fit for them, but they run a lot of four-wide receiver. They'll use Kenren, Kenyon Drake to catch a ton of passes. I could see him being perfect for the team, but the numbers where you talk about Michael Thomas, they were so reliant on Hopkins in Houston year after year that maybe in a good way for him, it'll be a little bit different mm. in Arizona out of the gate, especially in after a weird offseason where he's barely worked with the attack. look at
2: his numbers. That's, that's swinging for the fences. That's not going to you, Bron. That's a good one. Resp- that, a 15 good one. games, 104 catches, 11, 65, 70. You know, his numbers... Weren't eye-popping last year, and I think... I'll disagree with you on that one, Mark. I think he's going to have a ton of targets still, even with their offensive setup, and I bet he eclipses those numbers if he stays healthy. Let's Let's see how it goes. Let's track that. All right, that was good. Come down, players. See, we didn't bury anybody. We didn't say... Well, Tannehill kind of took some heat there, but...
3: Not really. We're saying he can be a top... You know, an
4: above-average starter. What more do you want?
2: Can I be honest with you? I think he might... (laughs) Be one of the busts of 2020. Okay. Well, you're going hard.
4: Well, now you've dropped a bit of a bomb <laughs> yeah. on him, but that's okay.
2: I kind of, I, I guess I, I should have been more clear in that. I just, I don't know. I've seen it. You've seen guys that come out of nowhere in a perfect setup and have that nice year and then revert. We'll see. I wish the best of luck. Both he's, him. Solid. I I Lauren. he's solid. I think he's Lauren solid. Lauren Tannehill, his wonderful wife. The whole Tannehill clan has nice my lady. support. I just, you know, that's what we do here. Chop it up. <laughs> a football talk. All right. <laughs> One more show this week. Actually, two more shows this week. This is fun. We will be back on Friday with a, a newser show where we just get you caught up to date with what's happening in the league. And then also we'll be uh, back on NFL Network. On Saturday and on the digital side of things, Friday it's the same show. So we're taping a show on Friday, uh, the return of the Around the NFL broadcast that will air on NFL.com and on YouTube on Friday, and then we'll re-air on Saturday morning on the network. So we got a lot of content coming your way. That the train mark has left the station. I know we're in very uncertain times, and you don't know what's coming next. But as far
4: as our workflow is concerned.
2: The train has left the station.
4: No going back to the station. Um, don't even remember what it looked like at this point. Don't feel like we spent a lot of time there. <laughs> we're on, we're moving.
2: All right. Let's uh, let's head out of here. Happy birthday to the beautiful Jack Carson Hansas. He turned six today. I'm gonna Happy go celebrate birthday. with my Jackie Boy. boy. Right now. Uh, this is Dan Hans signing off for the old boss, Quiet Storm, the mailman, Ricky Hollywood. Till Friday!
1: Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today?
0: My check engine
1: lights on. Mm, that could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free FixFinder service can help find the fix for free. Get in zone. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free.
0: But what if the fix is too tough?
1: We'll recommend a local shop. FixFinder, only at AutoZone.
0: Get in the zone, auto zone.
1: Restrictions apply.